Hello and welcome to Just a GP. Today is the 18th of March and I will start off by saying a disclaimer that this is a COVID sensitive recording and so we do need to date and time stamp it. So it's the 18th of March and the time is 10 o'clock in the morning. It is our pleasure to be interviewing Harry Nespelin this morning. I've got the team with me. So Ash and Beck and we are here to talk to Harry about what is it that you need to do in a senior leadership position such as being president of the RACGP in times of COVID and what are the things that we as GPs can do to assist. Before we start, I'll welcome Harry and say, Harry, do you want to give us a highlight of your day or your week given that you know, things are a little bit sort of chunky at the moment. Look, uh, thank you for uh, asking me to join Just a GP. The highlight of the week uh, would really have to have been on um, Thursday when it came to advocacy, when we were able to convince the Minister to make the telehealth telephone um, item numbers a little bit more useful and to really understand that what we're trying to do is to keep our GPs, our practices safe and to keep patients safe and to deliver care in a way that minimises the risk but allows patients to get the care that they need. Fantastic and thank you for achieving that I must say. I think there wasn't a GP out there that wasn't pleased with what you've managed to achieve and also I know that there's ongoing work in that space but we'll come to that in a minute. Ash, what's the highlight of your week? Well, highlight of my morning is that my extra screening test has come back negative. I hadn't had any travel or COVID contacts. So it was just respiratory symptoms. So as per the New South Wales health criteria currently are required to exclude myself until feeling well and with a negative test. So all is well in the world of Ashley at the moment. Fantastic news. Thanks, Ash. And Beck, what's what's a highlight for you? So after our podcast yesterday talking about self-care, I actually pulled out my knitting needles again and have restarted a unfinished project of at least 12 months' time. And it was actually really nice to actually do something for myself again. Yours, Charlotte? Well done, Beck. <laughs> so hopefully you enjoy that. Now, for me, a highlight actually was getting to get a Zoom meeting with 18 women from around New South Wales who are sort of encouraging as the RACGP to take up uh, roles of leadership and just the discussion and chat and just sense of, I just felt very calm after the meeting knowing that there were so many wonderful, sensible women in general practice who were willing to take on on roles of, of leadership going forward. So Harry, leadership. Glad to hear that some enthusiastic women want to become senior parts of the RACGP. I think that's fantastic. Thanks, Harry. It's interesting because women are fantastic as leaders, but often because they're so sort of caught up in what they're doing, often you need to sort of pull them out and say, can you do this as well? <laughs> Here's me encouraging mental health and well-being. But over to you. You've been doing an amazing job as the president of the college, can I say, and I would really like to have some of people at this time of the COVID stuff, understanding what sort of advocacy has been required behind the scenes that none of us see and what advocacy is needed going forward? Well, there, my day is very busy at the moment. Um, there is a lot of media requests. I think I've had up to about 10 in a day. I think we got about 900 mentions last week around Australia. 
So from a media point of view, I think we've been doing well. And from a direct advocacy point of view, we've been talking to the government and, as I said before, even to the minister about the importance of being able to allow GPs to take their traditional role of gatekeeping and of triaging. And so this is a very slow process. Most of the things that we've been asking for, we've been asking for for about four weeks now. But it it just shows the importance of having a strong college. We were able to get the release of the masks from the national repository, whatever it is, the national store. We've been able to get the item numbers. The first version of them weren't that fantastic, as we all know. We've been able to get them changed. We've been able to put general practice at the front line of this. We've been trying to say all along that at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to deal with this COVID-19 pandemic unless you do involve primary care. And so that really does require a lot of sort of kissing and kicking them, as they would say. So we need to be able to run a strong media presence because without that media presence, um, we're not relevant. And then we need to back that up by... um, direct advocacy with the government and, uh, as I say, with the, with the minister. So tell me, what does advocacy with the minister look like and how does that sort of work? I mean, I know historically there's been a lot of GP groups that try and have their point of view put forward. How are we better now at sort of trying to have a unified voice? I don't think we are any better as a industry, as I can call the general practice industry, at producing a unified voice. One of the problems that I think we have is that we have a large number of groups who are struggling to survive as GP groups. A lot of people who believe that they speak for the GP voice, but I would very strongly suggest that given that we've got 40,000 members in the college and that we only represent general practice, that our voice is the most powerful general practice voice and that we need to be managing that well, which I think we have been doing over the last few years, and we need to continue to build on the gains that we have made over over that time. I mean, one of the ways that the ministers of health and the department work is by playing off different groups against each other and that certainly does happen but I would say that the current minister has been quite open about the fact that he will not put a lot of policy especially general practice policy into action unless he does get some support from the college and from the AMA but as I say the college needs to strongly pursue its own goals and our goals I would suggest are very strongly directed at taking care of our members and making sure that our members are safe and that they are rewarded for the work that they do. What can GPs do to help support that process? Well GPs are really important. As GPs I know there is some of us that will see local members or politicians as, as patients or even in if you're in a rural area in your social group and I think it's important that you do, don't take the time to talk to the, to the members. One of the most powerful things that you can do in Canberra is to have backbenchers coming back and knocking on, on the Minister of Health's door and saying, look, I've heard about this. This is a problem in our area, whether it's the number of GPs or particular health issues. And the more often you do that, the more of a relationship that you'll develop with your local member and therefore the more likely that they are to listen to you. A lot of GPs are sort of afraid or they're not sure what they, you know, what, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? This is about being genuine. It's about, you know, not reading a script that we've written for you. There may be um, some 
issues that we'd like you to take up for us on behalf of the college and the, and the rest of the profession. But I think it's really important, especially in this part of the electoral cycle, that you just develop those relationships with those local members, whether they're federal or state, especially the state members as well, because they can put pressure on the, on the Commonwealth as much as anyone else can. So sort of heading into that sort of COVID thing, what are the key issues at the moment that we as the sort of the GP members can assist in advocating for that you and the college has, has decided are sort of the key ones at the moment? Look, the, the main issues at the moment are about personal protective equipment and the availability of it. Certainly the item numbers, certainly part of the a way that we do keep our businesses open and the doors open and also help to protect us against having to go and close a practice down for two weeks. The other issue that we're pursuing at the moment is to try and get um, doctors, not just GPs, but um, also uh, people in the public health system and also our staff um, tested um, in, in fast track testing as we're describing it so that we can keep the capacity of general practice and the public system going. The last issue which probably follows on from the, the telehealth issues, if there are if there is better equipment out there um, to provide telehealth issues, then perhaps that's something that we need to explore about how we get that out to general practice and how patients can use it. And I think the other issues that we've also continuing to pursue are a central repository of information, because at the moment, as we all know, we're getting information from everywhere, from the states, from the Commonwealth, from overseas. Um, we've even got uh, groups of GPs who are putting together petitions about what they believe should be the correct way to go forward with COVID. And people are absolutely allowed to do that, but I think it just adds to a lot of noise more than um, helping the situation. Yeah, there's a huge amount of anxiety around that. And that obviously is seen in that everybody's sort of scrambling to put things together, etc. And we are being very reactive at the moment, which is fair enough, we need to be reactive. But I suppose this then puts into context the need to learn from what we're learning, also learn from what the other communities that have already done this have learnt and that they're sharing to be able to enable better, you know, the way in which we do respond and then make sure we put it down as sort of policy for what happens next time. Yeah, look, what we're seeing at the moment is we are being, you know, reactive. Uh, but having said that, we did spend quite a bit of time saying to the government once they declared their pandemic to actually sit down with general practice and work out exactly what they see the role of general practice going forwards. Now, the response from the government was interesting in that they did put together a GP roundtable. It was a very big roundtable because, as I understood, there were 50 groups there. And so there wasn't a lot of um, time for general practice to sort of nut out the detail. It, it is important that we go, you know, once this whole COVID-19 crisis is over, that we do sit down and, and do uh, plan ahead for the next pandemic, which will, which will come. But... The, the big issue for general practice is that we're sort of caught between a rock and a hard place. The states in the past haven't really um, had a very big relationship with general practice. And perhaps one of the good things that come out of COVID is that the state governments actually do realise how important their general practices are. And we're beginning to see that being said out loud. The Minister of Health in New South Wales even advocating for us to get paid better, which I'm very glad to hear about. And 
also that the, the Commonwealth, especially the department, I still don't think really clearly understands what general practice is like in, in 2020. I still think they the policy still looks like the, the classic, you know, five grey-haired guys that look like me running a practice out of a house. And as we all know, that passed a long, long time ago, but the policy still implicitly sort of is based or goes forward on that sort of basis. I was going to say, I really like the tip about actually going to see your minister rather than just writing them an email or sending them the letter because it might be my tip of the week. But in my experience, when you send a letter or an email, it's actually very rarely the minister who actually reads it. It's one of their staff members, but making the appointment to go to speak with them is a much more genuine way of doing it and will more likely to get your message across person to person and make you seem much more personable than written words on a piece of paper. So great tip. Thank you. No, Beck, you're absolutely correct. Um, if you're going to write to, the, to your local member, uh, writing a template letter almost will never get read. Writing a personal letter will probably be read by the staff and, and potentially might be read by the local member. But Look, making a time to sit down and talk with the member does personalise it, makes it real for the local member, and it doesn't take a lot of time and you don't need to do it very often. And I guess for anyone who hasn't done that before, you can actually um, usually make appointments on their website or phone them up and let them know you're a local GP or you're living in the local area. And it's actually a really easy process to do and not in any way scary or intimidating. So would encourage it. And look what we've done in the past, mainly because of my position, is that we've actually got the local member in at flu time and gotten him to have his injection um, with a flu immunisation. Uh, no, we're not trying to kill them yet. <laughs> and so there are events that you can, you know, local members are actually interested in doing, get the local newspaper around to take a photo. Uh, it helps promote your practice, It'll, but it also helps to promote your uh, relationship with the local member because often local members are, are looking for opportunities to appear in the in the local papers and you know take the opportunity to help them we're, we're very helpful friendly people with gps so thanks harry i think that that does has done a really pretty good summary of what sort of has to happen behind the scenes and some of the things that we each can take on as a responsibility in trying to improve things for both the patients that we're seeing um, in terms of access and care and obviously for us as being, making sure that as GPs we stay well healthy and remunerated in an appropriate manner. So Harry, I'm going to take your tip and Beck's as of the week for being about contacting your local members and how to do it. And Ash, do you have a tip of the week you'd like to leave us I with? think in, in regional and rural areas, it's important that healthcare professionals talk to each other and clinics talk to each other and help each other out in terms of sharing different policies and procedures and making sure we're all working together. It's much easier in a smaller town to kind of communicate on that level. Yeah, so I think that's that whole collaborative thing. And so, again, I'm just going to leave everybody reminding them that we've got this daily email from the RSCGP now coming across your desk every afternoon with a daily update and a link to your state so you can actually see exactly what's happening in your state. Please go and have a look. And then finally, these podcasts, this particular podcast today will be uploaded not just in Just a GP but also the Good GP. So please go and have a look there as well for useful COVID-related short and sweet podcasts. 
And we'll also be uploading Practice That, which is short podcasts that will assist our practice managers in how they're dealing with the current situation. Again, will be accessible both through Just a GP and The Good GP. So for the 18th of March, farewell and thank you, everybody.